0: Welcome everybody to the Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast. I'm your host, Nick Irvin. Join me as we dig a bit deeper into the films and events of this year's 2020 festival. Thanks for joining us on episode number four of the Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast. Today we talk with Mike Wilkinson about his film Gone Tomorrow, a really fun look at a unique climbing experience, ice climbing in Kentucky. Basically a group of hooligans hanging out, being friends and finding adventure. If you haven't seen the film yet and want to before we start talking about it, you might have a little bit of trouble finding it because right now it's in the Film Fest circuits, but you can go to wilkinsonvisual.com and see if he's posted it up on there or his uh, Vimeo page. And while you're at it, take a look at all the rest of his amazing videos that he has out there. Thanks again for joining us, and don't forget to download all the other Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast episodes. Now, let's start the show. just in case we have these amazing little nuggets of audio that I miss.
1: <laughs> totally. Well, I, I, have to, I have to admit that um, I'm definitely more of the behind-the-camera kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love to film people who can open up on camera and have colorful personalities. And, you know, I'm, I'm more the introverted type, but I'll do what I can. But I have to admit that I've been getting into the bourbon this evening to try to loosen up for our talk oh, tonight, which is so much nice. of the Kentucky thing. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> so I'm, tonight I'm having Willet pot still.
0: All right, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of Willet for sure. Nice, um, that is great. Darn it! Um, you know what? If if I can take ten seconds, fifteen, maybe I would love to grab a bourbon as well. I think that would make this yeah, really man. Cool.
1: Go for it. We'll, we can we okay. can virtually cheers.
0: Yes. All right. One second. <laughs> okay. Way longer than 15 seconds. Um, but I do have, so this bourbon is actually, um, maybe I'll be careful saying this. Uh, somebody in Flagstaff uh, made this themselves. Nice. <laughs> in a garage. Uh, they've made many, many batches over many, many years. Proper. Um, well and done. so, Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of bourbon, big fan of scotch. So I love that you're, you're drinking a little bit now. So a virtual
1: cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks. Yeah. Tink. Garage bourbon. I love it.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. It started off pretty, pretty moonshiny when he was first making it, but he's got it. He's got it down pretty well now.
1: Nice. So. Nice. Has he got it like a couple of barrels that he's gotten from some of the distilleries? And
0: um, Yeah. He's still um, just sto- soaking um, staves in it. So okay. he hasn't gone to the actual barrels yet. Okay. Um, so yeah, he'll throw in a bunch of staves. And then he, he's from Vermont. He throws in a bunch of um, maple that he gets sent to him as well from back East. Okay. And so he'll have some maple in there and yeah. Nice. It's, it's impressive. It's, it's good to have
1: those kind of friends.
0: <laughs> it is, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll make the beer and then he makes that because I started a brewery here in town.
1: Oh, nice. Um, Which one? Yeah,
0: uh, Dark Sky Brewing Company.
1: Okay. I've been to Flagstaff a couple of times. Uh, okay. I don't remember the breweries I've been to though. Yeah, But nice. But I, I enjoyed Flagstaff the few times I've been there.
0: That's awesome. That's great to hear. I, I like to ask the the filmmakers if they're aware of Flagstaff. And um, yeah, I love this town. So. Oh, yeah.
1: Do you climb at all?
0: I do. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, I've been climbing for 20 years now. Well, it could be 21. I think I may have started on the rocks in 99.
1: Nice. So. Okay. Then, yeah. So, I've been down to the pit and I've camped and hung out at straw. Yep. Um, nice. There was a storm one night and a tree almost fell on our tent. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a little scary. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I've spent a little time down there.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, so this film definitely piqued my interest for the climbing aspect of it. Now, ice climbing, on the other hand, this is probably going to be my first year. We might head off to, it's funny you guys talk in the film about, Ura, Um, and yeah. um, I might be heading to the ice park if we can get our schedules together uh, to go do that, and that would be my second time only ever ice climbing. Um, awesome.
1: Well, I, I hope I've inspired you a little bit.
0: That's what I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say we were sitting on the couch. It was me, my roommate, my girlfriend, and, and we, we immediately after uh, we talked about this film quite a bit afterwards. And one of the things we were talking about was okay, we're idiots. Why did we put this off again this winter? Like we need to go, <laughs> go get some ice climbing. Not the kind you showcase in your film, though. <laughs> a much different place Uray, is to uh, what we are seeing on the screen. So I guess we'll start this right here. Um, introduce you, uh, Mike Wilkinson. And you were pretty much a one, I think you said a one-man band for this film. Uh, we'll talk about your different hats um, here throughout. But you uh, created the film Gone Tomorrow. And I'll let you kind of introduce the film, what it was about, and, and then we'll go from there.
1: Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Nick. Uh, Gone Tomorrow is the story of Kentucky ice climbing. And you probably just heard two things in one sentence that don't sound like they go together. Um, (laughs) And and you would be right. Uh, The southeast really isn't known for ice climbing. You know, we got a few spots in uh, North Carolina. um, And as you head further up the coast, you got a few more little ice climbing spots. But Kentucky, not so much. Um, But what I found after I moved here was that if we had two, three days of freezing temps, there would be just enough ice that you could kind of scratch your tools into with a potential for a lot more. And we got lucky in one of the seasons that I filmed, we got about two weeks of cold temps. And as in, you know, someone who was an ice climber before they were a rock climber, I was completely blown away at what I found and knew I was sitting on something special. So I started going out and filming and recording, you know, the three people in Kentucky that ice climb and, (laughs) you know, started capturing segments that I thought was just going to maybe be a personal project off the, uh, off the get-go, and then, yeah, after we recorded all this climbing, we started putting some interviews to it, and I'm like, this this is turning out pretty well, Um, and I don't want to give away too much, but there's a segment of the film uh, where we interview and talk with some guys who were doing this in the 70s, and their stories and commentary and the photos that they shot of what they ice climbed in Kentucky in the 70s kind of took this documentary to the next level and added a whole nother dimension to it. Um, and I think that's really what, um, I, I think sort of took it from scoundrels running around in the wood, you know, playing with their ice tools to an actual proper documentary.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And to let you know, this is kind of a balance between not spoiling, but also I don't care if it's a great story. I'm digging into it. I'm expecting a lot of the people listening, all our listeners out there right now have, have seen the film, um, went to it and found the podcast to dig deeper. And awesome. so okay. I- Definitely don't mind that and that is really cool to hear um, this started off as a just just as personal recordings for you
1: yeah yeah um, so for a profession I'm a filmmaker photographer but I don't do I don't do a ton of films like this for money per se um, I'll do like travel and tourism videos um, I'll do some photographies for some nonprofits it's kind of a mixed bag but it's all related to media. And whenever work gets kind of slow for me or I get inspired, I'll work on projects on the side, usually having to do with ice climbing, rock climbing, or some kind of outdoor adventure slant. And that's what this was going to be in the beginning. You know, I I knew it was something special. I took some photos of it and sold them to a few brands. I'm like, okay, it's not just me who thinks this is cool. Like this, this has some legs. We can make something with this. Um... And then the more we worked on it and then we got a good winter, it just kind of took a life of, of its own. So it sounds
0: like uh, you you live in an in area. Is that true?
1: Correct. I live in uh, Lexington, which is uh, central Kentucky. And for those who are, you know, are rock climbers or outdoor adventure enthusiasts, the Red River Gorge is about an hour away from me. It's a big sport climbing mecca, and that's kind of why I moved here. Um, so yeah, I wanted to be close to the gorge.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely the people who have watched this in this town. Uh, We mentioned a little bit before uh, when we were talking that you visited Flagstaff and we definitely have a huge climbing community here. And so the Red River Gorge is known to everybody, Uh, maybe not personally have gone there yet, but definitely stories from the Red River and, you know, knee bars and all that stuff. But um, I I did want to, I wanted to ask it later, but I guess we'll talk about it now. The places you were filming where the ice was, was that in Red River Gorge proper, the climbing areas as well?
1: Some of it was. Um, okay. I, I mean, definitely the terrain is there, right? You know, you've got steep rock walls and you've got waterfalls. Um, but as you start to ice climb a little bit more yourself, you'll you'll start to learn a little bit, you know, what it maybe takes to freeze up the ice and for an actual waterfall to freeze, a waterfall that's like free falling and, you know, there's an amphitheater or rock behind it. That takes really, really cold temps, and a sustained cold. We don't quite get that, so it can be pretty rare for pillars to freeze in Kentucky. So we don't climb in the Red River Gorge at first. If it's cold for two weeks, we're down in the gorge for shirks. Sure, because there's the most amazing stuff that forms in there. Uh, but most seasons, we're climbing in other areas in central Kentucky around Frankfurt, uh, a little bit around Lexington, <clears throat> there's uh, limestone rock bands that uh, are in the hills and are in the road cuts around central Kentucky that aren't in the gorge and out of those limestone rock bands you get like these oozes of water and those freeze up and you can you know find an inch of ice to scratch your tool into
0: yeah so the red so the Red River Gorge is kind of like a gift that opens up every once in a while and and that's cool that you it's funny that you say two weeks. Of, of freezing temperatures because that's such a small window uh, but for oh, you yeah. it's, it's gigantic uh, in that humid or in that um, mild climate.
1: Man, if that happens, we put everything we're doing on hold. <laughs> you know, if you got a day job, you're calling in sick, you're, you're not going in. Um, yeah, I have folders on my computer uh, from the 2017-2018 season which is the, I think that was the polar vortex year. <clears throat> And in that season, uh, literally for two weeks straight, every day there's a folder for each day. I was either scouting ice or climbing ice, <laughs> and it was it was just on like I like everything else was secondary. You know, you just have to go get after it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's you start to call in sick and get we call it the when like snow fever or whatever. But you got the the ice fever in these yeah. days. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, again, all three of us though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, you talk about, uh, the three of you were the other two in the film. Uh, like, was this a, is this a tight knit group? Um, Absolutely. that you were just kind of,
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like my buddies and I, and it's like the same group of folks, um, who will go into the woods and we'll walk past all the sport climbing areas and go into the hollers where there are no bolted routes and we'll look for trad, you know, ground up first ascents. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's the heart of this ice climbing film, right? It's just like finding adventure in your backyard. So it's just like me and my buddies, we're all about finding this adventure. And that's kind of what we do in the winter, is we, we go we go ice climbing. We look for ice roots to sort of add to that adventure. And, you know, I say the three of us, um, there's a few more than than three of us. A couple folks have moved away and a couple folks, you know. We're trying to spread the good word and get them into it. But really, it's because we want more ice climbing partners. Um, but, you know, we're, we're definitely good buddies. And anytime it's in, we're, you know, we're blowing up each other in the text message. Oh, have you seen the forecast? Like, okay, we got to get out there. It's going to be cold for, for two, three days. Like, we can get out there and get on this. And, you know, we think this route will be in and we should go check this out later. And yeah.
0: That sounds like a very very familiar conversation that a lot of people in Flagstaff have. Where <laughs> yeah, when those conditions are right, you're you're just nudging everybody. Come on, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, can't wait, yeah, can't I, wait. I, I think folks who, uh, who who ski can really identify with it. Um, I don't ski a whole lot. I live in Kentucky, um, but f- some of my good <laughs> good friends who do ski they've seen the film and they're like yeah like this is the same exact story you know when the conditions are in we like we just drop everything and get after it
0: yep the one the one issue there is there's that saying there's no friends on a powder day but you can't really ice climb without a partner so you do need at least one friend on an
1: ice ice day (laughs) for them yeah if you want to do anything big for sure i've definitely gone out and had to rope solo ice um really yeah
0: yeah, can you talk a little bit about rope soloing ice? Because I'm I'm very familiar with rope soloing on rock, um, but if there's anything maybe different, or, or can you talk about ice
1: ice, oh, ice soloing? Or yeah, soloing? I mean I'm just top rope soloing, so I just oh, okay. Yeah, I just anchor a tree and just climb up with maybe a grigri or a, a micro traction or whatever. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm just doing that. I'm not rope solo leading any of that stuff yet. Okay.
0: I guess that makes sense. It just piqued my interest because I've never heard of any one rope so
1: long ice climbing. <laughs> Man, you you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear you for sure. Um, when, when I when I read the title, it, "Gone Tomorrow," um, and ice climbing in Kentucky, I, I was very happy about what um, the film became. But in my first glance, I thought it was going to be a lot of climate. Um, worry and climb like like we used to have ice climbing now it's gone it's not about gone tomorrow as in like changing climate it's gone tomorrow as in like like anything can happen like you need to get out there now even if that means you're gonna hike for a couple of miles and get nothing go do it anyway and so I was refreshed actually you know we have plenty of films that are that are preaching to climate change and, and using all, you know, ice and icebergs and all that to, to that kind of thing. But it was more of a of a deeper philosophy, I think, of, of personal adventure. Do you find any kind of struggles with, with that, with people thinking it's going to be one thing and it ends up another?
1: Uh, I haven't heard that one yet. Um, oh. I, I've certainly heard people tell me after they've seen the film um, that they could easily have you know, built a connection between the topics that we discuss and marrying that with climate change and, and, and getting into that whole side of the story, which we don't in the film. And that was something we talked about at one point, And we just felt like it didn't really match the tone. It didn't go with what we were talking about. And kind of like you just said, there's a dozen other films that do that and do that better and have better science words to explain <laughs> the stuff that's going on. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I think you can watch it and you can read between the lines and get that out of it without us kind of beating that down your throat. And for those people who don't want to look at it that way, it's a fun adventure film. And uh, yeah, it, it really just kind of gets back to the whole finding an adventure in your backyard and trying to motivate people to find out what's around the next corner.
0: I love that. I love that it's it's just a, a hoot to watch. It's a fun ad- adventure, like seeing a couple of good old boys getting at it. And you can go ahead and have that discussion afterwards. Um, you know, we did a little bit when I watched it, but it's not exactly, it's not, it's not key to it and it's not in your face.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, changing conditions and, you know, the weather changing is at the forefront of trying to chase Kentucky ice. But <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't want to make it, a, you know, a thing with the film as far as like global warming and climate change and all That's just like, well, no, it's just we don't get cold winters anymore and we're not going to get into why and all that, but it's just, we don't get it anymore. And here's photos from 40 years ago of people climbing lines that no one has seen since then. And maybe we'll never see again. Um, And that really hurts me on the inside because I'd really like to go climb some of those routes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. Some of those old shots, um, they were talking about the stalagmites and then it, I remember this one scene there was a partial photo or maybe it was a full photo but the the photo was partial of this arching stalagmite and and so you talk about stalactites and stalagmites I was a earth science teacher back in the day, and I remember uh, stalactites has a T so it means from the top stalagmites is building from the bottom um, and then you cut to a shot of one that had formed off of a waterfall and you talked about putting anchors at the top of it and going at it that scene knocked me back just a little bit when I was sitting there like I kind of leaned forward and was looking at the old photo and then you moved to a shot of this one in current days and it was this I think you call it a cauliflower kind of ice yeah Um, and it was something I'd I mean, maybe it's just because I haven't seen a lot, but I've never seen that before. Is that something that usually happens on those pour-offs is you get this growth of this? It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if that was um, something different than you had normally seen.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you notice the guy standing there wearing bell bottoms? Uh, I noticed a guy, but I didn't <laughs> see the bell bottoms. It's kind, <laughs> it's kind of an time. Easter egg. Um, <laughs> that's, that's an old Tom Martin photo from the uh, late 70s, I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. If you notice the guy there, he's wearing bell bottoms. Um, (laughs) So to answer your question, yes. uh, uh, Free hanging pillars of ice. Um, If you go look at, you know, 100 foot uh, ice pillars, um, say from like Colorado, like in Vail or something like that, um, the Fang or the the rigid designator, um, you'll see that the first maybe 50, 60 feet is what we refer to as like cauliflower ice because it kind of looks like cauliflower And it almost looks like it's growing up from the ground. And then at some point, it kind of hits this singular pillar. And that pillar is what goes all the way to the top. So when the ice is forming, and this is anywhere, not just Kentucky, um, it freezes as it starts to run off the top. And it freezes when it hits the ground. So they kind of build from the top and bottom and meet in the middle, more or less. Um, and it's very, you know, condition dependent, you know, if you get like these little microclimates, and it's windier, colder, a hundred feet up than it is a hundred feet below, that could be a little bit different, but, uh, those climbs and those pictures, they had formed so tall from the ground up, but just not connected with what was flowing off the top. Cause that was maybe only 30, 40 feet. And then there's a big empty space of 50 feet where they just hadn't met cause it didn't stay cold long enough.
0: Yeah. It was such a cool feature. Um, and, and that definitely sticks with me. And I think people who watch this film, it might with them too. And all of a sudden you pull back and you see that the person in perspective sitting at the base is what blows
1: me away. Oh yeah. They're super tiny.
0: Yeah. And we're used to, you know, I mean, in this society we're used to seeing things instantly and, and to my brain trying to imagine that growing, um was was part of the cooler part of it too like it did grow from the bottom up and yeah it was just it was a beautiful shot yeah i just yeah. want to say kudos it's, on that um, it's
1: awesome you know what, what makes that the, the thing in kentucky that's unique about that kind of thing is we climb that stuff because <laughs> it's gonna melt before it connects so we just we make the most of it you know if you're in colorado you can just wait for it to connect and, and then you go climb the whole thing we can't really do that here most winters
0: yeah. You gotta be ready. Like yeah. you said, you gotta, you gotta take that opportunity um, when it comes. And I, I think again, I, I'll, I'll come back to this. The whole talk about the film is, is this thing that you, you have to go find it now because it might be gone tomorrow and that opportunity might be gone tomorrow. You just have to go out there and be like, you know what? We might not find it. And I think you have a couple lines in the film where you're talking about going for miles and it's just, you come up empty handed. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, someone in the film says, but you know what we did? We had a great time hanging out with, with great people exactly um, on that adventure. So, yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the – I don't know, a little bit about the filmmaking uh, aspect of it because that's – I want to dig deeper into that. And okay. so when you went out there, I know it started as just having shots personally, but it started turning into a doc- documentary kind of thing. Was there a point where you were shooting – that your thoughts actually changed that season and you, you changed shot selections um, because you thought this was going to be something bigger?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my thought process definitely changed. Um, and this, gosh, I started filming in 2016. Um, the, the winter of 2016, 2017, I started filming the first little bits um, and that was truly run and gun you know, I'm, I'm out there to climb as much as I'm out there to try to film, right? And again, because there's only a few of us, I know that addition to, you know, climbing and filming, I'm probably going to have to belay a few times. You know, I got to hike out there with all my stuff. So, you're a little limited. You're not doing a ton of shot planning, like hanging out with my buddies, you know, we're, we're kicking around some ideas like, oh, it'd be fun to, you know, maybe stage a shot where we climb one of these little limestone runoffs that's at the side of the interstate and we get a shot where, you know, the semi truck goes by and it honks the (laughs) horn and you're there just, uh, you know, chuffing out on like this, you know, little sketchy ice ooze. And, you know, we talked about doing some stuff like that, but in reality it was, Oh, we're going to go into these couple of zones and, you know, I'll shoot some close ups and I'll shoot some establishing shots and just basically trying to get safe coverage of these things. Um, and I'll, we'll keep coming back to this, this whole podcast because it could be gone tomorrow. Um, I, think, I think that first time we filmed in 2016, um, it was in terrible condition, uh, the little zone we went into, this quarry. So, you know, that kind of was a little story in and of itself. It's just like, yeah, you know, this is terrible, but we're out here climbing this stuff. Um, so it, it did occur to me, I'm like, you know what, I'll get some audio bites while I'm out here too. So slapped on a, a, a microphone. And just started asking some questions to the guys who were there and just having them give me some audio bites to work with to just, you know, get it going a little bit. And I knew in my head that I might not use much of it, but they're, you know, kind of like in a podcast, there might be a few nuggets in there that you can just, you can grab and they, and they work well in a certain spot or in a certain uh, story. Um, So I just started rolling for kind of safety's sake and wanting to start collecting footage because I knew it was going to take more than a couple seasons. So that's kind of how it first started as, as far as like shot planning goes. It wasn't a ton of planning. It was just, oh, there's ice in today and we're going to go out there while I'm packing my camera. And I'm just going to try to record as much as possible and and take some photos too. Because if anything notable was in good shape, I was going to shoot photos and like try to pitch those to the brand and sell those. And, you know, just really like multi-purposing everything as much as possible. Yeah,
0: I think as much as anything, it can... It might become, I you know, hopefully it won't, but it might become historical documentation of ice in Kentucky. Oh, and don't say that. Oh, <laughs> but it might. Touch, uh, touch wood. Where's my, <laughs> here we go. Right there. All right. Um, yeah, but but it in that sense, I think it's important, like you said, to like, using the word gone tomorrow or the phrase gone tomorrow. Um, yeah, document some of that stuff. Uh, so the quarry. I did have a question about the quarry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you said that was bad conditions early on when you filmed Because that was right off the bat. That was the first scene.
1: Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in So the film festival cut that, that you've seen and most folks have seen is a 20-minute cut, and so there's a longer cut that we're doing oh, really? at some private screen. Yes, oh, really. All right. Um, <laughs> that, we're, that we've just done at some private screenings. Um, I mean, film festivals want shorter edits, right? You know, they, yeah, they, yeah. they want shorter films to fit into their programming, which totally makes sense. Um, sidebar- I did a documentary film on climbing development in India that was like nearly an hour long. No festivals wanted it. And that was a big learning experience for me. <laughs> it's like the next oh. time I do this, I'll do a much shorter project. Um, so when I did start cutting this, I had it in mind to do um, to do a shorter piece, something that was just a bit more to the point and fun, uh, expecting that film festivals would be more receptive to it. So anyway, back to the quarry. Um, The film does open on the quarry and we just jump right into it. Um, It was the the shots in the quarry. That was the first place I ice climbed in Kentucky was this quarry. And it's the first place every season that holds ice. And it's also the last place that holds ice. It's the first place to freeze up and the last place to melt out. It Mm -hmm. seems to stay just a little bit colder in there. And because this quarry has this, you know, rotten limestone everywhere. And there's all this, uh, water that oozes out of it. It tends to freeze up much easier than anything else. Um, in fact, I was down ice climbing that quarry about a week ago. Um, and it's the only day that I've ice climbed in Kentucky this entire season. It's probably Mm going to be it.
0: Yeah. So that, that quarry was, was when the first panning scene came out and you saw the water at the bottom, um, that was cool. I, I visually thought that was really awesome.
1: Yeah. It's one of the, one of the most, uh, aesthetic looking routes. And so I ice climb in Michigan a ton. So we're on the cliffs at pictured rocks and we're over open water. Like that's a thing there. So I'm, Mm -hmm. so I'm used to that. Um, but it still is a pretty unique thing to have an ice climb form over open water. And it makes for a pretty rad visual. Um, so to touch on a question you had earlier about like planning shots, once we got a good winner and we were like full on into like, okay, I'm recording every day and I'm getting good content. Like, you know, this is happening. A shot that I definitely like preconceived was like this drone shot um, that may even be in the trailer. This drone shot where the the drone's kind of floating overhead with the camera looking straight down and it's flying backwards as uh, my buddy Heath is repelling into this, uh, ice root over open water and the water is just like black or, or like really deep blue So so as this drones moving and you just see like this, you know 200-foot chasm just open up all of a sudden. It's just it looks like he's repelling into the abyss um, And that's the name of the route is the abyss um, So that was one thing. We definitely was like I need to get that shot
0: <laughs> Yeah, oh, I remember that shot for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of near the beginning ish of the film and yeah um it's almost it was almost a little um uh I don't know disorienting is the right word but oh like, yeah I was like whoa like yeah as you pulled back I was like at first I was like what's going on I see him repelling, and what's that big old black th- oh okay He's yeah <laughs> going down towards towards that it's an uh, unusual
1: area. perspective for sure it is yeah yeah I like that
0: nice cool um and then another, one more question about the quarry yeah. is the story about the, uh, police that came by. <laughs> Did anything ever uh, happen about that? Was access, <laughs> you know, restricted or was that the only no. kind of thing that happened there?
1: So, so I wasn't there that day. Uh, uh, Heath, uh, tells the story, um, uh, the police in central Kentucky, uh, a few of them, um, I won't say are involved with the Kentucky ice climbing, but they have been present for some of the Kentucky ice climbing. And, you know, as long as we haven't been doing it, you know, right off the road where they'll just, you know, hey, get like, you guys can't do that here. Get out of here. Um, they've never really given us a problem. The, the story as, as I've heard it is that uh, Heath and Jeff and maybe a couple other guys were climbing down on this quarry. And, you know, just doing their thing. And, and you got to hike in a little bit to get back there, but it's not too far off the road. They're climbing, and then the police roll up, and they're just like, what are you guys doing? And, you know, keep in mind, this is its probably early morning because we want it to be cold. So it's probably 8 a.m., and police officers who probably have zero concept of what ice climbing even is walk into this quarry where there's, I, I think this area is kind of known for like homeless people camping and there's a bunch of garbage and it's just dirty and it's forgotten. They walk in there and they see us with, you know, ice picks and crampons and ropes and they just wanted to know what was going on. And they were like, huh, that's weird and left. And that was the end of it. And I mean, they could have certainly said, okay, like you guys got to pack up your stuff and get out of here. You're trespassing or whatever. Nope. That none of that ever happened. So, I don't know who called him. I don't know who told him to get on down there, but we've never had any issues with it. Um, we do, we understand that there might be, you know, some access issues, like, like we consider it like a sensitive area, you know, if you will. We don't uh, broadcast the fact that we're down there ice climbing, but for the handful of us who ice climb in the area, we kind of know where it is and we just you know, we, we roll in we keep our heads down and we get back there and we don't make too much of a racket and we get out. And, um, I don't think we're hurting anything. So as long as we keep it that way, I'd like to, I'd like to keep it going there. Cause I would hate for that place to get closed off to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like how it should be I mean, Yeah, go in there, have your fun, and not hurting anything. Like you said, exactly. And like they said, it's, um, you know, very, active area in the summertime that season with uh with transients and 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 homeless and that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. um in the winter it sounds like you guys are making like zero impact compared to probably all the you know other trash that could be left there so absolutely yeah cool yeah i was just wondering if anything had happened uh (laughs) after that because that was a good little story
1: oh yeah (laughs) thankfully not it's uh it's still you know, just, it's kind of like our, our little cragging spot, you know, like, like wherever you might like to go sport or trad climb, that's not too far off the road. And it's, you know, you've been there a bunch, but you know, the climbs are good and you just like to go there, have a good time and maybe take new people. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's easy and it's, uh, it's probably the most reliable spot to climb ice in Kentucky.
0: Nice. Good deal. Um, there was a, a quote in there where, uh, I don't know if it was, if it was Heath or someone who said, He was, like, coming down, it looked like off of a climb. He's, like, woo, like, kind of hooting and hollering. And he says, he goes, this is fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Kentucky ice, what are some reasons that it's fucking stupid?
1: Well, the fact that we're trying to lead some of these routes that really aren't in very good shape is pretty fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we like to assess risk, but the fact that it's going to be coming down tomorrow, potentially kind of give it, gives us that little, that little extra push. And, you know, I'm there with a camera and sometimes that gives guys like some Kodak courage and okay. Like, like maybe they do, you know, they climb a line that maybe they shouldn't. Um, But it's, you know, there there's amazing routes that I've seen almost in, and I've considered climbing them and I've never seen them come back. And I think about like how it could have been like, Oh, like, maybe I should have ran home, gotten my kayak, drove back down to the river, paddled across the river and gone in like rope soloed that line. And that would have been fucking stupid. <laughs> like, you know, the, these things are always like they're pouring wet because, you know, if, if it's a waterfall route, it's not, you know, a limestone ooze or whatever. It's probably pouring wet on most of it, if not all of it. And part of it is frozen. So, you, you know, you're going to get soaking wet. And you're going to do this thing um and then you come down and you're just like was that was that really worth that risk that i just <laughs> <laughs> it
0: it it does look super wet all the shots were just streaming down most yeah. of the shots were streaming
1: down water yeah most of them
0: and so is sketchy ice it seems like would be a, a, an okay label for that and so are you guys you guys have to be experts by this time at at reading ice I would say <laughs> That's funny I'd say you guys uh, <laughs> you guys are probably some of the best at reading that that tiny precipice b- between what is like you said like somewhat safe and what's what's stupid would you would you agree
1: <laughs> Man I don't know I don't know about that I don't know that I'd say an expert um <laughs> You know, I'll try to assess some ice, like, okay, will this hold one hundred and eighty pounds of dumbass? And uh, a line I learned from ice climbing in Michigan um, was that an inch of ice will hold a man, two inches of two inches of ice will hold a man and a horse. Yeah. or is so the saying goes. Um, if I get an inch of ice on something, I'm pretty psyched on it. Um, the more you climb ice, the more you learn it, and the more you learn like what it sounds like, what it feels like when you swing into it, um, and you can kind of read it um, in the and actually in the long version of the film. Uh, there's a scene in it where we talk about some stuff we climbed off the Kentucky River that we back down off of. Uh, we we did one pitch that was like kind of wet, and then we tried to do the second pitch. And the ice was just rotten, and the tools were slipping. And there's no way it would have taken any screws, so there's no protection. Uh, and it was catching the evening sun, and there's light uh, ice falling around us the entire time. And, and we back down. And we're like, this is this is beyond our comfort zone at this point. Um, so I'd like to think I've ice climbed enough to know you know when to back off a little bit, but the ice in Kentucky is so fleeting that i probably push it a little bit more <laughs> here than I would climbing anywhere else, but I wouldn't consider myself an expert though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after watching that film, I can imagine that if you guys backed down off of it, it must've been pretty darn bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was not in great shape that that day was, was Heath and I on, on a mission to find some stuff that I had scouted out with the drone and, we knew it was going to get uh, sun in the evening um, in this little rocky amphitheater, but we, we marched out there anyway because it was the last day to get on it. Um, and we got out there, and it looked really cool, and then you got up to it and just saw that it was garbage. Um, so, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting day. That was one of the more epic days of, <laughs> of like, just bushwhacking and just... We, like, hiked out in the dark on, like, somebody's farm and then had to walk up the road three miles to, like, get back to the van. It, Yeah, it was messed up.
0: Yeah, messed up but a good adventure story, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so, another part of the film that really stuck with me was, and it's very similar to looking at old rock climbing photos and thinking about how the pioneers were – were equipped. Uh, There's a, a part of the film where you guys are talking about the... You find out basically that you guys thought you were these studs and you end up becoming like these nothings compared to these older guys who had done it in the 70s. And I thought that was really really cool to, to see the, especially you, you zoom in on a cramp on that's, I forget what it's called. It's called like a flexible crampon or
1: like, um, yeah, strapped on, uh, strapped onto your boot, just like leather straps, these flexible SMC crampons, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's gotta be way different. I'm thinking of trying to take, say like micro spikes from Cthulhu, putting them on my feet and doing something where these days people have those stiff edge ones and it just, it when, that must've been kind of cool for you guys to meet and then eventually start to interview some of these guys who did things that would be unheard of right now, or at least the equipment they were using.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was completely blown away when I saw what they were doing with the gear that they were doing. Uh, and there were other people in other parts of the world who were, who were doing this too. Uh, it's not an isolated story, but hmm. for having done it in Kentucky and knowing some of the climbs that they tried to get on, Uh, It's really inspiring to me and, you know, their, their roots are being in Kentucky, so I can really identify with it. Uh, But yeah, I don't know how they did it. I mean, the gear that we have now, it just, it makes it like cheating compared to what they had.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Did you know about them before or was this a discovery that happened pretty recently, like within the filming?
1: Uh, This happened over the course of the filming. And uh, I wasn't the one who who discovered it. Uh, Heath found it online. Um, The way he says it is, uh, you know, he goes online, like just Google searching Kentucky waterfalls and Kentucky ice waterfalls just to see what Google has. And he discovered this uh, super topo post from Kevin Pogue, who's one of the gentlemen I went and interviewed. And Kevin had posted all these photos that he shot from 77 to 81, I think. And he sent me this link. And I mean, you know, my jaw just hit the floor. (laughs) So I started reading through this stuff. So, immediately I'm like trying to track these guys down and send them emails. And it was primarily Kevin and his climbing partner, Ed. And they were leading this stuff um, on very substandard gear. And they had really cool photos of it. And I was like like I got to get this into the documentary. You know, if I can interview these guys, that'll be great. But they also have photos to go with it. If they hadn't have shot all these photos and they just had the stories, I think it would have fallen flat. Like it just, it wouldn't have done their stories justice without the photos. So it was a huge stroke of luck that Kevin just happened to be, you know, an enthusiast of a photographer with his film camera and actually shot some really amazing images Um, so we tracked those guys down and Ed lived on the West side of Colorado and Kevin lives out in Washington state. So I did a big road trip one summer and was like, look, I'm coming out to see you guys and I'm going to interview you and I want to hear your stories. Like, I want you to tell me all about it. Um, so yeah, meeting those guys was just next level. It was really cool. Like I could hang out with those guys all day.
0: (laughs) I bet that's, so that's a great part of, of, of digging a little bit deeper into your film. Um, a lot of people will be immersed in, in the story and the filming and forget about how much it takes to put a film like this together. You actually took a road trip to get these shots where when I was watching it, I was just like, oh, cool. They like were down the street and they invited them in and they did this interview. But no, there's a lot more involved. So you actually went specifically for this film. I'm sure there were other side trips and, and everything you took, but... The behind the scenes yeah. um, well, that I'd I, like to talk about for sure.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, I like to take road trips in the summer, um, you know, go do some routes in the Tetons or Colorado mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and the summer we did that, uh, we were going to do a road trip for for a few weeks. I mean, we just talked about it, my partner, uh, Jennifer and I. And doing these interviews is like, okay, well, we're just going to build that into our trip and that's going to, you know, sort of lay the foundation where, okay, you know, we need to be in Western Colorado by this date, Then we need to be in Washington by this date, And then we're going to fill in the blanks around that. And Hey, guess what? Business expense done. I get to write this (laughs) off now. Um, because I'm going out there to shoot some stuff for this documentary. Sweet. Um, so I was able to coordinate, um, their interviews within like a, a week and a half of each other. And I think, uh, Out in Colorado, you know, we went out to, like, Maroon Bells and hiked around there. Um, Made our way out to uh, Zion and, you know, did the the Narrows hike, which was amazing. Favorite hike, by the way. Nice. Went up to Washington and then Jen flew home from the Jackson Hole Airport. And then I hung out in the Tetons and, like, climbed for two weeks. And, yeah, it was awesome.
0: (laughs) So, you guys... Uh, this was another kind of question. It, it seems like at least, and I'm thinking Heath is the one I'm thinking of. He was a main part of that film. Totally. Right? He With a tree tattoo on his arm.
1: Yeah. He, he's got, he had, I don't, know, I don't know if he's got a tree tattoo. He's the guy's got tattoos on his arm for sure.
0: Okay. Yeah. And he's hilarious. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah no, the, the guy is the life and personality of this film. Uh, <laughs> I mean, going out and filming while climbing, like he definitely says some fun stuff off the cuff, but he, <laughs> Um, luckily for me and for this film, he just totally nailed his interview, told some really good stories and was really colorful and entertaining. And, uh, oh gosh, like as a, as a filmmaker, like you can't ask for anything better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When that just falls in your lap, you're like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so I bring him up because when he was talking, it seemed very, um, he was very much settled in in Kentucky and, and even to the point of talking, you know, like, why, why the hell would I go to URA and all these, these other spots when I got this here? Um, but uh, I wanted to know, and you kind of answered it here about these road trips. Do you guys go seek ice in other places as well?
1: Uh, not like we do in Kentucky. Heath has since moved to Chattanooga. Um, and I was down there just a couple uh, weekends ago hanging out with him. And on the drive back to Kentucky, I saw a bunch of ice on the road cuts on the drive back. (laughs) I was thinking about calling him, but uh, we we haven't gotten into that yet, but I wouldn't put it past us to do that somewhere in between Chattanooga and Lexington just because that's where we stay now. Um, I mean, we'll take trips in the winter to go ice climb for sure, but those will be to destinations not to go you know, bushwhack into the woods looking for <laughs> something that may or may not be there. Now we'll, we'll, we'll do that at home on our own time. Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes sense
0: for sure. So in, in the, in the making of this film, uh, in the shooting of this film, what was something that really, um, stood out, um, to you as far as it's kind of like a, an amazing, like, Oh I'm so glad I got that kind of shot. Um, in other words, what's, what's kind of one part of the film that you're, that you're really proud of, um, filmmaking wise, videography wise. I think you actually, you may have talked about it already about the shot above the, above the water, above the quarry, but yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't have mind doing that one a few times. Um, I was having a hard time connecting to the drone. Um, it was having some Mm. signal problems. Um, so I didn't execute that one. Maybe as perfect as I wanted to. (laughs) Um, but you know, with the filming of this documentary, we didn't get chances to do things twice. Mm. Um, you know, we weren't... If you go watch a climbing film, if you go watch Real Rock, whatever, these climbing films, um, they'll have these athletes probably do multiple takes. And, they'll, you know, you get all these close-ups and you get these cutaways and all these beautiful angles, and that's great. Climbing Kentucky Ice does not afford us the opportunities to have that approach uh, for our production, Which is unfortunate, but that's just kind of how it is. Like, I could kind of cheat it and shoot some random, like, close-ups of tools going in the ice and screws, but that, I don't know, that's kind of not needed. I would have loved to have some more top-down footage of some of the climbing, but when it was literally me and a belay partner to go climb a route that we had never seen before, and the sun's only going to be up for another 30 minutes, so we just got to get on this thing, it was literally all I could do to put a camera on a tripod and press record and walk away from it. And that's it. That's, that's what I got. Hell, I think one time I didn't even have a tripod with me. I just sat it down in the dirt, Uh (laughs) pointed it. Um, and that, that sucked. I wish I would have been able to get more. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. Um, No, you're not at all. I think that's a huge
0: part (laughs) of what I want to share. That's, you know, that's what I want to share with, with the audience is, is that exact thing. What you just said, we have real rock here. It's a packed house all the time. Your film is unique in that way, and and that's really cool and really really awesome to think about, um, either before watching it or during watching it. That this is this is not a a film where you get a couple of weeks with an athlete on the wall, this angle. Oh, you know what? This angle be great. No, you set your camera in the dirt. You went and and filmed something that might not happen again, and that's what we get. And I love that
1: yeah the, I, I mean from a from a film making standpoint, probably the biggest thing for me was getting the interviews with Kevin and Ed and them telling their stories was probably the the biggest boon to the production and to make this film what it is. and without that, it just it, I, it may not have gone any further than just being like a personal project for my buddies and I.
0: yeah, I agree. Uh, the yeah the production value and of and being able to capture those stories. Um, because yeah, the filming is, is gritty in a good way. It's like, it it felt like I was out there with my buddies, you know, doing that kind of thing. I've got films on my home video recorder back in the day of that kind of stuff, but then to throw those stories and the interviews in, I think you're right. It, it totally, um, put it together. As yeah.
1: A- <clears throat> and you know, I'll, I'll kind of tease one of the scenes, uh, just being out there and rolling and just being ready if you've ever shot climbing, you know that you, you know the the butt shot is boring, <laughs> and you want to avoid it. But sometimes that's kind of all you get is the butt angle. Uh, and for those of you who don't film rock climbing, that's just where you're you're on the ground and you're pointing the camera upwards, and you inevitably get really great shots of your climber's butt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that had to happen a few times with the ice climbing filming. But I would just roll with it because you know the climbing was interesting and. Uh, there's interesting moves going on and and I wasn't exactly sure what parts of it I was going to cut out of it. So I'm like, man, I'm just going to roll as much of this as possible. And while that was happening, a bat flew out of the rock wall, uh, (laughs) flew a couple laps and then landed right on the rope right next to the guy who's climbing. (laughs) And I was lucky enough to be actually rolling the entire time when that happened. And you just, yeah, you just never know.
0: That was, I have that scene right down here is one of the last (laughs) things to talk about. That was, that was awesome. It was, it was so, he starts talking about it a little bit first and then all of a sudden you see the bat Mm -hmm. um, going through and no joke. Yeah. He lands right on the rope by his crotch. (laughs) Like <laughs> just yeah. fluttering through, and then he swings his axe. I'm like, oh, whoa, careful! You're like swinging an axe right next to your crotch and next to the rope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to like knock it away. And I love the the phrase he says right after. That. He says, "Only in Kentucky."
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know that a bat's gonna fly out of you if you're climbing up in Canada. <laughs>
0: no. Yeah, that. So that whole little spot was kind of cool too. It was like a little chimney mixed climb kind of, kind of spot. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a memorable spot in it. And like you said, the butt shot is something you try to avoid, but you know, when you're a filmmaker, you just keep recording, just record, you know, whatever you, you think you might end up getting, you might get a bat. Who knows? Yeah,
1: exactly. You, you, you get what you get. Um, but you're not going to get it if you don't press record and, and kind of go for the shot. Um, and that, you know, that climb that day, you know, thinking about the edit, you know, you mentioned like that. You know, you like that kind of little scene, um, and that's kind of exactly what was uh, what that was. That was just sort of like a small scene, like a cool climb that we happened upon that day. There's a good story to it, um, good footage from it, um, and that was just it found a place into the part of the film where we talk about climbing in the Red River Gorge, um, and that you know that's sort of an example of how the rest of the edit of the film went um, was like you know, when we did find good climbs and we did have good stories about them, we tried to like interject them into those different areas to try to tell that story. So there's not just like this, you know, linear narrative from place to place or from time to time. Um, It's just like, look at these different like wild places and I don't know, look at us scratching our tools around and having fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's well, you hit that perfectly because that's what I got out of it too. Um, From that scene to the one where you guys are on a, Canoe down the river, breaking <laughs> ice to try. That's hilarious. That one, that scene was great. Uh, yeah, um, that shows just the struggles. And then they're talking about, oh, we've got our gear and all this stuff. And I'm thinking of the filmmaker. I mean, being you know, you know, I do some videography and stuff like that. I know that they're talking about all the gear, and then you, on the other hand, have all your other additional gear that you're bringing out
1: there that you have to worry about. <laughs> so, so if you see the footage in the film, you see you know, one canoe with a couple of dudes in it, but there was a second canoe and that had me and two other guys in it and it was only a two-person canoe. So (laughs) I got to sit in the middle on a beer cooler, which raises me up, you know, another two feet. So, you know, we're super tippy in this canoe and I'm holding my backpack close to my chest, just like, don't tip us guys, don't tip us guys. And it's not that deep of a creek, but you know, it's deep enough and cold enough. Yeah, no, I didn't definitely did not want to go in. That would have been, would have been bad times.
0: No, but, but
1: saying that like I kick myself sometimes because uh, I kept my gear packed up just, you know, from, from splash or if we did go in. But once we got on this Creek and paddled down, maybe about a half mile, the sun crested um, over the ridge where the ice climbs are and all this uh, mist started to come off the water. And there was this beautiful shot and I didn't get it because my camera was put away. Yeah. Oh, and, well. you know, I, I, should have just kept it out because you know, whatever, if it goes in the water, goes in the water, it can, it can get replaced, but I can never get that shot again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's so, um, but you got it in your mind and in your brain yeah. and together. It's, <laughs> and that's kind of, like I said, I've been doing some videography, but like, that's been a little bit of a struggle is when you have the camera out you know, what are you possibly missing personally? And then when you have the camera put away, what are you, what are you missing shot wise? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just been, I don't know if you think about that at all about like just putting the camera away on some trips or, or always kind of where's, where's the camera, where's the shot, where's the light. You, you start looking at lighting everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's some trips. No, I specifically don't bring the camera so that I can be in the moment myself. Um, but then there's other trips. I'm like, Oh, We're going to go do this sunrise hike on this, you know, on this ridge trail. Yeah, I'm going to take my camera. Maybe I can get a shot of something I can sell. You know, maybe there's something good out there.
0: Cool. Yeah, I find it's a balance.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely is. Yeah.
0: Um, Sweet. Well, I, I think the description of watching this film is it's a hoot. Uh, I had a a great time watching it and I can't wait to watch it with a bunch of other people in the film fest because I think it's right up Flagstaff's alley. I'm so glad this is a part of the Flagstaff mountain film festival. Um, so yeah, thanks for submitting this one. It's, it's going to be fun to, to watch with everybody. Um, is there anything else about the film like to, like to discuss?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I would just, I hope people have a good time, um, Watching the film and somewhat like yourself, maybe get inspired to go try out ice climbing. It's kind of like a it, it's a niche of a niche activity. Like people consider rock climbing to be kind of a fringe sport. I mean, it's certainly grown in popularity, but you know, getting into ice climbing is an even smaller subgroup of that group of climbing. Um, and I just get excited when people sort of find out about this sport and get into it and to see their faces light up the first time when like, you know, they swing a tool into a big thing of ice. Um, it's, it's pretty fun. You know, I like spreading the good word about it. So, uh, I would hope that some people see this and maybe get inspired to try ice climbing and, you know, kind of like yourself, maybe go out to the URA ice park or go to the one of the ice climbing festivals where you can rent some gear. They have a good one in Michigan that I go to every year. Uh, they have the URA ice festival in Colorado, which is pretty cool. Um, But yeah, yeah, try it. Like go, go try some different adventures. It's uh, you just need, need a warm pair of gloves and you can rent everything else you need. And yeah, it's fun.
0: Nice. That's great. Yeah. Just get out there and do it. And I think, uh, inspiration could happen. We have, I mean, we're in the high desert, so we don't have a whole lot of ice though either, but some years this might cause some people to go out to places they might be familiar with like Sycamore Canyon and and throw some tools. Like you say, scratch your tools into some stuff that they might not have before watching this film. So your inspiration is both welcome and a little bit, uh, will be interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. I hope people identify with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, I think they will. So, Mike, uh, where can people check out more from you, whether it's more videography or photography? Uh, where can they find you?
1: Uh, they can just find me online, you know, like everybody else. You know, I've got the Instagram account, the website, blog. Uh, it's wilkinsonvisual.com. Uh, if you want to know more about the film, uh, just go kyicefilm.com. Uh, and you can see a bunch of, uh, you can see the trailer and a bunch of images, uh, info about the film fest we've gotten this into. Um, that's all up there.
0: So Yeah. And you've gotten, uh, quite a few. It looked like, um, from the, from the beginning image, there was, there was quite a few film fests that you've been a part of, including Banff, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We got into Banff. Um, nice. so right now I think we're sitting on about, uh, nine film festivals that we've got into and a couple of world tours. Um, which has just kind of blown me away. Um, my little mind cannot comprehend that just yet. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll get an email from someone uh, in some random city or even a foreign country, and they just want to let me know like how much they like the film. And I go, whoa, cool. It showed for you in that city. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> totally blown away that like people care about and are enjoying, you know, just like me and my buddies hanging out in Kentucky. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's been super cool. Um, and and as much as I talk about, like, this is a homegrown project and was a personal project on the onset. I mean, I, I do this kind of work for a living. Like I do travel and tourism and adventure content for a living. So I sell photos to the climbing magazines and the adventure magazines and uh, done some work for Red Bull here and there. So, you know, it's definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, but you know, always looking for more of it.
0: Nice. Well, yeah, you say you're surprised when people say, you know, give you kudos and you like it, but you put a lot of work into this. Uh, Like we said in the beginning, you were basically a one man band for this doing the, not only the filming, the editing, the, the scripting, but a lot of times the climbing as well. So, um, this is a really cool thing to, to be able to sit down and talk to you about this because this was, this was all you and, and a lot of hard work went into it. So kudos to you for that.
1: Well, thanks. I'm definitely going to put on my resume now, uh, can film while belaying.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, careful. You might get a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to have a willing partner, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mike, for, for coming on and helping us to dig a little bit deeper into both the, the filmmaking process of this film and also some of the great stories that went along with it. It was uh, a great conversation for me personally, and I think a lot of people listening to this are going to like i said have a hoot listening as well
1: awesome well thanks nick i hope you uh, enjoy your homemade bourbon there
0: <laughs> oh I, I i already did <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right all right well thank you guys so much for listening in and digging a bit deeper into the film with us for more information simply go to the show notes for a couple of links on the filmmakers and the films If you enjoyed this, please take about 30 seconds to subscribe and rate the podcast so that we know y'all are digging it. I'm Nick Irvin, you're you, and this has been the 2020 Flagstaff Mountain Film Festival podcast. Cheers and see you next episode.